If we haven't met yet, um, my name is Mark, um, and I have the honor of leading the team that leads this church. Um, and and we're really excited about what the Lord's been doing in the midst of this series. So I want to start off with just making a, a bold statement, but it's it's truth. No matter how likable and lovable you are, you have enemies that want you taken out. You have enemies that want you dead. See, the Bible says the devil comes to steal and kill and destroy. And then Jesus immediately says, but I've come so that you might have life and you might have it to the fullest. But what we want to talk about today, last week we talked about that we have three enemies. And we talked about one of those enemies, and that was the world. And when we talk about the world, it's not talking about people. Okay, it's talking about this world system of rebellion against God. Today we're going to talk about the flesh, and we're going to talk about the devil. Those three enemies we see in Scripture, the world, the flesh, the devil. And there are different strategies for defeating each of those enemies. And we have this pie chart that, that we've created, this graphic that has, you know, equal thirds. And the reason that we treat them as equal thirds is we don't underestimate our enemies. We don't underestimate those things that would try and rob from us and steal us and destroy us and kill us. As followers of Jesus, we're to be equipped so that we can recognize the enemy we're up against, respond with God's strategies for victory, and win more than we lose. Why do I say we have to recognize, you know, the enemy? So I have this wonderful aunt on my dad's side of the family. Um, if, if you're listening, I, I love you. Hope maybe my aunts won't know which aunt I'm talking about, but they all will. They'll know. And uh, and she was just like. Like super, I mean, passionate. Well, she still is. But uh, everything that went bad in the house, she'd try and cast a demon out of it. And I remember her trying to cast demons out of washing machines. And I remember her trying to cast, cast out of flat tires. And I'm not kidding. And, and God bless her. I mean, she taught me faith. You know, she taught me militants. You know, but but she would, you know, the, the washing machine backed up. I've, I've cast out that spirit of unwashedness of filth in Jesus' name. And I'm like... Sometimes washing machines break. You get a flat tire. I, I, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke that, that, that spirit of flatness and I say, return that air in Jesus' name. And it's like, no, sometimes we get... <laughs> yes, I'm serious. Mom, am I lying? Okay? She's like, I, said, I ain't saying nothing. Cause like, she's going she's gonna to give... Call my mom and my dad's side. We have to recognize who who our enemies are. And today we're talking first about the enemy of the flesh. So I want us to look at two different conversations that Paul had with Christians. Okay? So if you want to open to Romans 7 and then Galatians 5, and you can kind of keep your finger in, in there. So Paul's talking to Christians. And, and he really, in Romans 7, he says some words that just minister to my heart. Because it, it is so many times in my life just captured how I felt. So I'm going to kind of skip from 15 to 18 to 22. And, and I'll kind of let you know as I'm skipping. So this first conversation that we're going to read in Romans 17. Paul says, For I do not understand 
my own actions. For I do not, for I do not do what I want, but I do the thing I hate. Verse 18. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but I do the evil that I do not want. That is what I keep on doing. Now if I do not do, now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. Down to verse 22. For I delight in the law of the Lord in my inner being. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am who will deliver me from this body of death. Anybody ever feel that way? Second conversation that I want to highlight is found in Galatians 5. In Galatians 5.17 says this, For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. These are enemies to keep you from doing the things you want to do. And again, remember that Paul is talking to believers here. The battle of the flesh is an internal battle. It's an internal solicitation that's meant to bring about a mental or physical or an emotional response of sin. It's fighting me to do something that as a lover of Jesus, I really don't want to do. And it's coming from inside of me. We talked about the world. The enemy of the world is an external solicitation sin. It's the billboard. It's the commercial. It's the music. It's external. It doesn't come from within us. The flesh is internal. And then in a minute when I talk about the devil, that's supernatural. Okay, different solicitations coming from different places. This is how we can tell that it's an attack of the enemy of the flesh. Is this, we battle doing those things we don't want to do or not doing those things that we know to do. Whoa, whoa. I, I thought as a Christian, I was done with selfishness. I thought when I became a new creature, I was finished with selfishness and selfish acts and... Is there something wrong with me that I still have these selfish, self-serving thoughts and desires? No. No. Because facing conflicting choices is not the problem. In fact, it's a privilege. When we face conflicting choices, we have an opportunity for victory. We have an opportunity for growth. We have an opportunity for strength. The issue is with the choice we make. We can choose to serve Christ or we can choose to serve self. 
as Christians, we are legally free from the curse and dominion of sin to choose who we will serve. We're free. As a child of God, we are free. But we've got to choose. The Holy Spirit is not going to overcome us to the point of choosing for us. We have to choose. Am I going to serve and obey and respond to the leading of the Holy Spirit or of self? The flesh is self. So how how can we have victory in this? Stop serving the flesh. Let's pray. Let's close out in prayer right there. Actually, I wish it was that easy. It's not. I I really do wish it was that easy. It's not. not. I'm just being facetious up here saying, stop doing those things. We just got done reading and scripture. He's like, I want to. I want to stop doing those things. Here's the good news. Jesus defeated the enemy of the flesh. He didn't just he didn't just defeat Satan, which he did defeat Satan. He didn't just defeat the rebellion against against God, which he did defeat. He also defeated the flesh. Do you realize that? He didn't sin. When he had the choice faced before him, when he was tempted, he had the choice and he chose the Spirit of God. He defeated the flesh. He did not sin. He lived a perfect life. And because he is victorious over sin, we can too. We have to find ourselves in him. When we started this series, I I read from Ephesians 1, 11 times in in that first chapter in Ephesians 1, it talks about in Christ, in him, in him, in him. 30 times it says it throughout the book, over 30 times, in him, in Christ. So in him, we can experience more victories than failures. But I just need you guys to understand No one in here is going to bat a thousand. No one in here is going to bat a thousand. No one in here, none of us. The goal is not perfection. Our our pursuit is Jesus who is perfect. But our goal is to grow in him where that when we drop the ball, when we sin, when we fall short, we set our eyes on him, we learn from it, we grow, and we just keep going along the path. In him. So how do I emerge victorious from these attacks against this enemy? So as we gain insight into the character of God by being in the presence of God, we also get perspective on any given challenge, on any given situation. As we, as we grow and learn about the character of God. But here's the thing also, guys, there's got to be some dialogue. Lord, what do you think about this? Lord, how can I get out of this situation? Lord, how do you want me to respond to this? Lord, I I feel like I'm facing this again. Lord, is this a cycle? And if so, how can it be broken? I mean, we've got to dialogue with the Lord. We've got to find ourselves in Him. And we've got to sit and respond. We've got to listen. So according to the Bible, there are at least three. I'm not saying these are only three. I'm just going to write three ways to be victorious in our attack 
from that enemy of the flesh, okay? And so we're going to use the, the beauty of alliteration. So we are instructed to run, renew, and ramble. Run, renew, and ramble. Second Timothy 2, 22 says this. So flee youthful passions. What does flee mean? Run away. Run away from youthful passions and pursue righteousness. Pursue faith. Pursue love. Pursue peace. Along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. So with others. Do life with others. But the Bible says that one of our keys to victory is to run. Don't try and have victory by the strength of your will. Especially when we're facing a situation where your will, where our will has already demonstrated we're not strong. There's times we walk away, we run away. That is the right decision. Not to sit there and overcome it with willpower, but to overcome it with wisdom and to run away. Let me give you a great example, okay? You know, here recently, one of my kids, there was, and I wasn't real pleased with one of their coaches, situation going on, and immediately I wanted to send an email. And I was going to be nice-ish. You know, I was... And... And I was going to do it in my office. And I literally like started walking towards the office. I heard the Holy Spirit say, nope. And I had other things to do in my office. Just so you know, I had other things to do in my office. And I ran. I ran in the office. I ran away from the computer. I ran away from the temptation to send that email. I ran away from that temptation to satisfy the flesh. I ran away from that temptation to control the situation instead of letting God control. I ran away. And that brought victory. Peyton Manning used to plan everything in his head before a game so that when it happened, he wasn't caught by surprise. I want you to know that I... I have game planned in my head what to happen if some woman throws herself at me. I've game planned it. And you know what I will do? I will run. I will be rude and I will run and I will offer no explanation and I will offer no rebuke and I, I will run. Everything else can be ironed out after that. After I tell my wife and then she'll have to run from the temptation to go Open a five-gallon can of whoop butt. Run. There's times our, our, the appropriate response to get victories to run. See, none of us have an S on our chest. You know, none of us have that Superman red cape. None of us are, are super Christian. You know, there's not. There's not super Eleanor. Eleanor is super, but she's not super Eleanor. None of us have the the will of steel. There's times we run. And we see it there in 2 Timothy 2.22. A second defensive response to the lust of the flesh that God provides for you, that he provides for me, is renew. Renew our mind. 
When we choose to win in our mind, we will win in life. When we choose to win in our mind, we will win in reality. It's only a matter of time before we lose the battles in our lives if we choose to lose the battle in our mind. If we lose the battle in our mind, we lose the battle in reality. Let me give you an example. Um, I'll choose like one of the nicest dudes, Rob. I'm going to pick on Rob. Let's say, let's say Rob um, has like a legitimate corrective word for me. And, and Rob, I mean, he's a father in this house. Rob has, has a place to, to get me one-on-one and to speak into my life. I give him that place. I give Carl that place. You know, we, we, there's dudes, by the way, Tuesday, we're together this Tuesday for the breakfast. There's guys, we get together, the older guys in the church, Eric has place to speak into my life. We get together once a month. We have breakfast and I want their perspective. They see things from a different perspective, a different angle than me. So I invite that. But let's say he gives me, you know, a word of correction. Let's say he, let's, let's say he doesn't do it the best he could Right? So now, in my mind, I'm like, that mean joker, he was judging me. He was judging me, and he brought this in love. He didn't bring it in love. He brought it. He just didn't bring it in love. Bible says, speak the truth in love. He didn't speak in love. He just spoke the truth. And in my mind, now I'm, I'm getting offended. In my mind now, I'm, I'm letting unforgiveness rise up. In my mind, I'm not even receiving the good word that he had for me. In my mind, I'm losing. And if I lose it in here, I'm going to lose it. So now, I'm passive-aggressive, or I'm sarcastic, or I avoid him, or I talk bad about him, or I gossip about him, or whatever it is, we lose. When we lose the battle here, we lose the battle in reality. Does that make sense? I hear pastors all the time who counsel people and, and, you know, someone who like, you know, fell into sexual sin and, and, and some faithful and, and they say, you know, pastor, and I, I just say, you know, I'm using other people as example because this, I've never had this personally, but you know, pastor, uh, it just happened. It just happened. He's like, no, it didn't. It never just happens. Tell me about your thought life. What do you mean? Tell me about your tell me about your relationship with your wife. Well, blah blah blah, and you know she she doesn't really honor me the way you should. And he writes that down, and you know, and our love life isn't quite the same. And, and I, I would like to be you know more affectionate. And he writes that down. And next thing he goes, you lost the battle in your mind, saying someone else will treat me better, someone else will respect me more, someone I deserve to to be you know to have physical affection. Um, because it's not taking place frequently enough. He goes, all these things, you lost the battle in your mind. So don't sit there and tell me it just happened. Don't tell me it just happened. It never just happens. You lose the battle in your mind. We lose the battle in our mind. That's why we can have our minds renewed. Romans 12, 1 through 2 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your flesh as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual work. Worship. Do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed by the thinking of this world, but be transformed 
by the renewing of your minds, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Testing it. All right, so my feelings got hurt. Rob came with that word. I, I know that what he was saying was true, but he didn't come he didn't come with as gentle a touch as I would have liked. So now I've gotten offended. But let's not miss the point that what he said was right. And let's not miss the point that I imagine that was hard for him to some degree because very few people just thrive in confrontation. He loved me enough to share that with me. You know what? Maybe his response wasn't as rough as I thought. He just wanted to know how serious it was to him. Man, what a gesture of love. Lord, I received that word. Lord, I thank you for Rob. Lord, I repent of offense. I confess that I'm I'm still insecure and that I had a very selfish response. But Lord, just help me to grow. Lord, would you renew my mind? Lord, I want to think like you. And I see things from your perspective. And, and Holy Spirit, I do thank you that in that moment now I'm seeing things from your perspective. Lord, I thank you for Rob. I thank you that Rob came to me and loved me enough to bring that word. Do you see, you see where the battle takes place? It's all right here, guys. It's all right here. And what we act out and with this battle against the enemy of the flesh. Well, which enemy are we talking about right now? The flesh. Right here. It's won or lost. Right here. Let's see. She's taking her clothes off. Let me calculate this. Uh, that's not really a practical decision. What? what I, she needs Jesus. I should be the one to tell her about Jesus. I should run. <laughs> Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceit desires. And to be renewed in the spirits of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. You guys, one of the, way, one of the ways to renew your mind, I'm serious, Memorize scriptures. Memorize scriptures. It's a good way to renew your mind. And when we have memorized scriptures, now all of a sudden the promises of God are quick to our lips. They're quick to our minds. And the instruction of man's of God, they're quick. Memorize scriptures. There are so many resources available to us these days. The third one, ramble. The third means of victory to the lust of the flesh. To the enemy of the flesh that God provides for us is this. Ramble. Galatians 5, 16 and 17 says this. But I say, walk by spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Walk. How about this? Walk alongside the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. One of the translations is keep in stride with the Spirit and you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against 
the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. So ramble. The definition is not ram- of ramble is not what I'm doing sometimes when I stand up here and I talk too long. That's one of the definitions. That's not what we're focusing on right now. Ramble is defined as this, to walk for pleasure, typically without a definite route. Ramble means to walk for pleasure, typically without a definite route. You see, when I'm walking with the Holy Spirit and I'm walking for pleasure and I'm rambling with Him, I don't have to know the route. I have to know the one I'm walking with. And I walk for pleasure with the Holy Spirit. Not out of obligation, not out of some religious heaviness. I walk, we walk for pleasure with the Holy Spirit. You want to go right? We're going right. You want to go in circles? We'll go in circles. You want to go back the other way? It, as long as I'm with you, it doesn't matter. This is how we win. This is one of the ways we win against the enemy of the flesh. Spend time with him. Talk to him. Listen to him. Sing songs about him. Listen to songs about him. Write poems about him. Draw pictures of him. Paint portraits of him. Just walk with him. Galatians 5.16 But I walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. It ain't rocket science, guys. Consistent victory over the flesh can be had in three of the ways or by running, renewing, and rambling. Last of our three enemies is the devil. And I want to equip you but honestly, I don't want to talk about that sucker. He's a liar. He's a deceiver. He's an accuser. But here's why I think it's important that we talk about him. Number one, we never take an enemy for granted. We never underestimate an enemy. But also, you need to hear this. He's a liar. He's an accuser. And he's a defeated foe. He's already defeated. His name, Satan, means adversary. Satan means enemy, and he is our enemy, and he hates you, and he hates your family, and he, he, he hates your purpose and your destiny. Devil, the word devil means liar and accuser. And he is. He is a liar, and he's an accuser. And I think his greatest lie, one of his greatest lies might be, you aren't enough. You aren't enough. It's a lie. It's a lie. Because in Christ Jesus, I am more than I'm more than in Christ Jesus. I'm enough. Sure, if you try and measure, you know what? Uh, if you try and measure my earthly accomplishments and the good this contained with me outside of Christ, I'll give it to you, Satan. I'm not enough. But you know what? That's not how I'm measured because I'm measured in Christ Jesus and I'm more than enough. I'm not measured by my strength, but I'm also not measured by my weaknesses. He's a liar. He is a liar. And he's incredibly, ridiculously bold about lying and accusing. Revelation 12, 7 through 11. And, and it's, it, it, does, it, it drops my jaw when I look at this. I'm like, holy moly. So the first part's really awesome. Second part's, I'm like, I just want to slug him. 
Verse 7, now war was in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was defeated. He was defeated. And there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient servant who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to earth and his angels, who are now called demons, were thrown down with him. So what does, what does the defeated enemy do with his spare time? Next verse, verse 10. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. Talk about just audacity and not like the good kind of audacity. But look at this next. And they, can everyone say, I am they? I am they. You are they. Say, I am they. Okay. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives even unto death. For they loved not their lives even unto death. You guys, just to kind of jump back a little bit, the enemy of the flesh, we have got to love Jesus more than we love our own lives. When I walked away from that computer instead of sending that snarky email, it's because... I love Jesus more than I love myself. And at that moment, I displayed that. You know, I, I don't cheat on my wife because I love her, but it's beyond that. That's only secondary. I don't cheat on my wife because I love my kids, but that's only tertiary. I don't cheat on my wife because I love this church and I love the call of God and I love doing what he's called. But that's only a side note. I don't cheat on my wife because I love Jesus. Because I love him. That's the reason I don't cheat on my wife. Or So what about the times when I like get mad and like cut off the person on the highway, which, you know, I've said before, every preacher around the world confesses to anger when driving. That's the one sin they're all comfortable confessing before the church is anger when driving. Because everyone's like, yep, yep, he's human, he's human. That doesn't mean I don't love God then. That just means at that moment, I chose poorly. I chose self Romans 8.35 says this, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? You guys, I'm letting you know right now that the accuser, that's what he wants to do, to separate us from the love of Christ. From the love of Christ. The accuser and the liar, the devil, will separate us from the love to make us think we're not loved. Who, who shall separate us from the love of God? So, shall tribulation or distress or persecution or fin or nakedness or danger or sword? Verse 37. No! In all these things, you are more than. And you are more than conquerors. In Him, through Him, who loved us 
For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, that word rulers is principalities, and I'll come back to that in just a second because it's really cool something the Lord's saying here. Nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor nor depths, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. In Christ Jesus our Lord. In Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. That's where we're supposed to find ourselves, guys. That's where we're supposed to lose ourselves. That's where our identity comes from. That's where our love is found. And that's where we can love others. And that's how we can walk in victory because Jesus conquered the flesh, conquered Satan. So we can walk in victory because Jesus did it in Christ. So that word principality, this is really interesting. That word is is spelled A-R-C-H-E. Arche. Okay, A-R-C-H-E. That's the word for principality. It's the same word where we get the word archenemy. But what other word sounds a lot like that? Archer. Principalities, arche, archer. And Paul uses this to describe demons holding dominion entrusted to them. Archer. Ephesians 1, just 1 through 3. Those chapters talk about our Christian walk and what it should look like. It tells us who we are in Christ, that we're in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 4 then talks about how our Christian walk ought to look in our home and in our church. Ephesians 5 then talks about how our faith should look in marriage and at work. And then in Ephesians 6, it comes full circle. So check this out. Ephesians 6 and through 18. I know we got, it's a chunk. So just, man, stay locked in. Okay, let's not let our, our minds drift here. Finally, be strong in the Lord. Be strong uh, in who? In the Lord. I just, I, that's what mine reads too. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places in the spiritual realm. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand for. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. I just want to unpack that for a second because that's an interesting statement. How in the world does a shield extinguish arrows? When I think of a shield, I think of a mighty metal shield. I think of this big steel shield. How does that extinguish arrows? Well, there's different types of shields. And what's being referenced here is a type of shield made out of wood. When they knew they were coming against the fiery darts of the enemy in the Roman army, they would drench this wooden shield in water and they would soak it and it made it ridiculously heavy. 
You think wood would be lighter than steel? Not after this thing has been soaked again and again. And that's what we are to do in the Holy Spirit. Water is representative of the Holy Spirit. And we are to soak ourselves, to immerse ourselves, to keep dunking ourselves in the presence of the Spirit of God. And we are to walk with the Spirit. We are to, to include Him in everything we do. And then we saturate this shield. So then when the fiery darts hit the shield, what happens? Extinguished. And the fiery arrows of the enemy. Who, who, who shoots arrows? An archer. Demonic forces. I'll come back to that in just a second. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. I love redundancy in the Word of God. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Did you notice the contrast in weapons, the primary ones? See, the primary weapon of the enemy... The archer are arrows. Our primary weapon, the sword. The sword of the Spirit. See, enemy, the archer, he's a coward. And he stands off at a distance. And he doesn't want to be up close with us. Because see, when we're walking with Jesus... When we're walking with the Holy Spirit and Satan sees us, he don't see us. He sees Jesus and he trembles because he sees the Jesus that has already defeated him and that will defeat him again. When we walk in stride with the Lord and the enemy sees us and Satan sees us, he fears us because he sees he doesn't see us. He doesn't see you. He doesn't see me. He just sees Jesus. See, our weapon is the sword of the Spirit because we want hand-to-hand combat. We do not fear the enemy. It is the sword of the Spirit. We're not fighting in our own strength. We want it. Satan, you get up here right now because what I have, the weapons that I am bringing are greater than your weapons and we're not afraid of hand-to-hand combat. We won't get it though. You won't get it though because he's a coward. And he launches arrows little jabs, little digs, tries to to penetrate our defense. And I do believe that there's times that he sees when our defense is on. He sees when we haven't been drenching that, that shield of faith, when we haven't been in the presence of God. I believe he sees that. We have delegated authority straight from Jesus Christ to wield the sword of the Spirit And friends, we have to believe this. It is stronger than any weapon of the enemy. Spend time with God. This is not religious obligation. I I, I don't know how I can say this more affectionately. Spending time with God is that rambling with Him. I don't know where you're taking me, but it doesn't matter. I'm with you. I mean, when Kara and I were first courting that new love thing. You know, what, what do you want to do? It doesn't matter, baby. What do you want to do? Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't matter. What do you want to do? Nothing as long as we're together. Honestly, there's, there's part of that that we're never supposed to 
move beyond in our affection and our relationship with God. Lord, um, it doesn't matter where you take me, just as long as I'm with you. So how do we have how do we have victory? How do we have victory over this enemy, over the devil? I'll tell you two ways. Humble yourself and submit to God. Humble yourself. Let's walk in humility and let's submit to God. Humble ourselves. First Peter 5, 6-9 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, us casting all your anxieties on Him. Casting all your anxieties on Him. Because He cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be cool. Keep your cool. We don't, have, we don't have to fear the enemy. Keep your cool. When attacks come, keep your cool. You've got the Holy Spirit next to you. You've got strategy within you because you've got Jesus within you. Beat that in me. So just keep your cool. Be collected in spirit. <laughs> Be watchful. Keep your eyes open. Awake. Your adversary, legal term for adversary, is an enemy who accuses you. An enemy who's brought an accusation against you. Your adversary, the devil, who's a slanderous, false accuser, prowls around. Prowling around means he's, he's looking for opportunity. Like a roaring lion seeking someone he may devour. Not who he can. This is not about ability. This is about permission. Seeking whom he may devour is about permission. Seeking who he can devour is about ability. See, he doesn't have that ability. Not when we're in Christ. He doesn't have that ability. And see, you notice it says he roams around like a roaring lion. Oh man, he, he's got big, big roar. He's got big game. He talks a good talk. What the enemy brings against us is intimidation. He's trying to knock us off our game. He's trying to lie and, and intimidate to get us off stride with the Lord or to put eyes on self. A roaring lion. Why doesn't he attack? Why is he not an attacking lion? He can't. We're in Christ Jesus. He can't devour us. He can only try and scare us and bring fear into our life where we think he's, he's got more power than he's got. That's the truth, guys. That's the truth. He, now, there are attacks that come, but a roar is not an attack. I just, let's just, a roar is not an attack. He's just meant trying to scare us. Right? The devil fears Jesus. Satan lost, Jesus won. The devil always wants to attack us, but he doesn't always have the opportunity. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. The opportunity to attack us is when we live our lives in the shadows. He has opportunity then. When we refuse to take our secrets out of the shadows and into the glorious light and say, I'm not proud of it, but I'm also not going to be bound by it anymore.
Lord, do with it what you will. He has opportunity when we keep secrets in the shadows. When we allow shame, he does have opportunity. When we distance ourselves from the herd, from the pack, and, and we, we, we distance ourselves like a little lone straggler, then he has opportunity to attack. We're called to do life together. We're the church. We are the bride. We are the body. Let's not give him opportunity. Our enemy's predictable. Pride is perhaps the greatest door opener to the enemy. See, the devil recognizes pride. He thrived in pride. He owes pride. And he recognizes that in us, pride is a door opener. But humility is perhaps the greatest lock. So humble ourselves in the presence of God. That's what that is, guys. The pulling of the sin and the secrets and the shame from the dark place into the light, that's humility. Don't we know that? That's humbling ourselves before God. Confessing our, our sins one to, you know, to one another. That's, that's humility. It's not pride. Pride would say, you got to protect yourself. You can't let them know that ugly thing about you. They will despise you. They will touch you. They will slander you. And they will not love you. When Jesus just looks and says, no, no, look at me, look at me, look at me. Keep on me. Do you trust me? Because I got you. No, no, don't think about yourself. Don't worry about yourself. Don't protect yourself. Don't preserve yourself. Eyes on me. Do you trust me? What are you doing right now? Let's go for a walk. Just walk with me. Just be with me. James 4, 6 through 8 says this, but God gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposed the proud. Dangerous place to be in, right? Being opposed by God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Listen to this strategy. You want to know how to win against the enemy? Here, here's the strategy right here. Submit yourselves, therefore, for God. Boom. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Right there. Submit to God. Yield to God. Surrender to God. Then it gives you a next step. Then resist the enemy and he will flee from you. Resist the devil. It doesn't start with resist the devil. What does it start with? So it doesn't start with resisting the devil. What does it start with? Submitting to God. That's where it starts. It doesn't start with resisting. See, because resisting can be about you. It can be about your strength. It can be about linking arms with the most capable people I know because I'm going to surround myself with with strong folks. And if we're linked arms together, now we're going to resist the enemy. It doesn't start with resistance. This isn't about resistance. This is about submission. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the enemy, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will do what? And he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands. Purify your hearts. Cleanse your hands, sinners. Purify your hearts, 
You're double-minded. You double-minded. Renewing of the minds, man. I'm telling you guys, letting our minds be renewed by Christ. A gift. What a win. Let's not focus on the fact that, you know, it's a little bit of a challenge going, hey, you're double-minded. Let's focus on the chance he's like, hey, I'm, I'm letting you know you can, you can uh, renew your mind. Humble yourselves, James 4.10. Humble yourselves before the Lord. And he will exalt you. What does that mean to you? He will exalt you. In your life right now, what do you need to be exalted from? And what do you need to be exalted to? See, when I exalt, is lifted up. Humble yourselves to the Lord and He will lift you up. What do you need to be lifted from right now? What's going on in your life right now? If we can close our eyes. Just think about yourself for a second. The Lord really, He wants you to think about yourself right now. Um, and then you're going to think about Him. And, uh, and what, what, what do you need to call to Him? What do you need to lift to Him right now? Is there a hurt? Is there a disappointment? Is there a betrayal? Is there a lie? Is there sin? Is there shame? We will humble ourselves right now and say, Lord, I just, I yield to you. I submit to you. I run to you. I draw close to you. Ah, there it is. Now he's drawing close to you. He's exalting you. He's lifting you unto himself and out of whatever that was you needed to be exalted from. Talking about three enemies, it's not about the enemies, it's about victory. After every one of those enemies, I gave examples of how we can walk in victory. God wants you to walk in victory. I want to pray over, if there's anyone that there's an area of your life, and maybe it's one of these three enemies, maybe it's in the battle against the Lord, or the battle against the flesh, or the battle against Satan, that you don't have victory in, in one of these areas. Maybe you're like, I really want to have victory. When you're saying that, I want that so bad, I don't have that right now. I want you to just stand up right there where you are. We're going to pray for you right there where you are, but I want you to stand up because the Bible, when it talks about putting on the full armor of God, it says you stand. When you have done all you can do, you stand. You need victory? I want to pray over you. Just stand where you are. If there's an area of your life like and the enemy, he's landed some punches. Man, the world, they've, they've tricked me. Man, the flesh has been winning. And I want victory. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Church, I think it's good and I think it's appropriate to either stretch our hands forward, those that are standing, or even to lay a hand on their shoulder. I think, I think it's good, man. We're the body being the body. So if you want to get up and do so, you have the liberty to do so. Lord, right now, we just pray for those 
that are standing in you. Lord, that act of standing, that is an act of drawing near. And you say, Lord, that if we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. And those that are standing now, Lord God, that is what they are doing. They are drawing near to you. Lord, you say, Lord, we've read it and we believe it. Your word says to humble ourselves before you and you will exalt us. You will lift us. So Holy Spirit, right now, I, Lord, you're so awesome. Holy Spirit, you are so mighty. Would you right now just move in power for every need that's represented here, for every need for victory? Would you just exalt right now? Would you just lift and draw unto you, Lord, every one of these people, Lord? Lord, I ask that you would give them eyes to see your bigness, that you are greater and that they are victorious in you. That you are conquering king and that the devil is defeated foe. Lord, I just proclaim your victory right now all across this place. Lord, victory and healing and peace and restoration. Lord, I know the enemy has stolen. The enemy has stolen from us. And right now, Father, we ask, Lord, by your provision, Lord, would you bring restoration into our lives? And not just restoration necessarily of that exact thing that was stolen, but restoration of our joy, of our peace, of our hope. Some of us have lost hope. If you've lost hope, you grab it right now. And if you're not standing, stand right now. Restoration of, of hope. And strength. Those that say it's just really hard to go on. I just, it's hard for me to go on. Stand in his strength. Stand in his strength. Lord, I just ask you to be amazingly, amazingly abundant right now for each one of us in this place, Lord God. Holy Spirit, amaze us. Would you amaze us? Would you touch us? Father, we just ask for your healing right now and we we ask it in the name of Jesus through the completed work of Jesus Christ in Jesus. We are whole. We are healed. We are victorious. In Jesus' name. Amen.